Aloha, North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood here on KNKR LP 96.1 FM Kohala. Welcome to Tutu's Talk Story. I'm so excited. I have Auntie Miley Spencer Napoleon here today. And we're going to have a conversation about flowers and our memories about flowers. It occurred to me that I grew up, I grew up in the suburbs in New York City, very different than Hawaii. Auntie Miley just turned 80 this past May, so we also grew up at slightly different times, very different places, and yet both of us have some flowers in common and many not. So I was just realizing that, uh, for example, for me, the first time I heard about the Hawaiian tea plant was in the back of a magazine. And they had, you know, get your magic Hawaiian tea plant, and they would give you a two-inch cutting of the stem of a tea plant, and then you were to put it in water, and magically, wherever you were, it would grow into this plant. And of course, as a child, I had never seen the tea plant, but I realized you must have very different memories as a tea plant here in Hawaii. So I'm very curious, what are your memories about tea plants growing up? Well, a lot of the tea plant uh, experience I had was mostly with green tea leaves because uh, we as Hawaiians um, use the tea leaf like we use foil today for um, preparing our food and things like that. And then also for, well, it's preparing food. But um, when we were really, really, really little, we were taught how to kalua a pig and make a luau here in Kohala in Honomakau where my mother and my father lived and I lived with my grandmother in Havi. So anytime my mom and dad needed a worker, my brother and I were the workers and um, we're never allowed to go into the house and do any housework. So now and for my whole life I love gardening and so by having to do all of this preparation for luau's as, as a little, little thing. And I say a little thing because we were very young when we had to learn how to do this. How old Six do you think? of us. I was about three years old, I would say. That oh, my gosh. We, um, had to learn how to do things because my mother and father believed in teaching the children when they were really young chores. So... When I had my children, I did the same thing. And so when they all went to live in Colorado all at one time, um, after they finished high school from um, Honolulu, where we lived, uh, what was so funny is that when I went to visit um, them there, every one of their friends said, we heard you were a slave driver. So I said, slave driver? Yeah, your children said that you made them do this and this and that and work since we were, they were very little and learn how to do all these things Hawaiian and especially how to use the tea leaves for preparation of food, decoration, all that kind of stuff. And we didn't have that many um, colored tea leaves. Although my mother was a plantaholic, um, she had some... And what was nice, she knew all the names of them, all the names of the Pumerias, and so many things that um, it was nice that 
she was a laymaker, and I could learn all of that about flowers and things like that. And my dad was the one that taught us how to do all of the luau's and things like that. So I decided that I would be a mom just like my mom and dad, you know, were here and did all these things um, to prepare a luau. Because my mom and dad loved having parties, so we had a party for just any other reason. So we worked hard, and so when my children said that I was a slave driver, it didn't make me feel bad because they were Hawaiian, and I wanted them to go to the mainland someday. And if they ever went, which they all did, for whatever reason, um, and three of them live there now in Colorado, um, they would not have to say, I'm a not-so-smart Hawaiian. Because so when everybody asked them, uh, how did they know how to do all these Hawaiian things? And they said, my mom was a slave driver. <laughs> so it's a plus and not a negative for me. And also for them, because they could do all these things. And um, my two sons did the hula, where my husband was not so good about having them do that He'd rather than play sports. But they did play sports in high school. But they also learned how to do the hula. So back to the tea leaves. Can uh -huh. you say specifically what types of things that you did for the food and decoration? Okay, for the food, what we did is we used the three tea leaves basically for making laulaus. And then we put the taro leaves in there that was grown in the yard. Or else we would get some from um, uncles and aunties around the place there in Honomakao or somewhere else and um, use the luau leaves and then put all the rest of the things in there. We use red salmon, we use sweet potatoes, we use pork, chicken, or beef, depending on what we had. And um, it was a good experience as far as I'm concerned because I love learning how to cook. Of course, right now I don't cook as much as I used to because I want to change my eating habits because it's not so good. Um, also, we use the tea leaves for decoration and my mom used to have where we bent the tea leaves backwards and we would pin it with pins that you use for sewing and then it would look like a kahili for decoration and or just using the green TVs for decoration here and there. Um, there was other things that we used it for. Uh, many, many different kinds of uh, uses for the tea leaves and especially for what we call hali'i. And that's when you put it into the emu with the banana leaves and the banana plant or the stumps where you cut it up, cut it in half, maybe about oh, 18 inches long or so. So it would cause the steam and then the tea leaves were for um, putting in there before you put the pig into the chicken wire, which is what we use for putting the pig in. So then you could grab the chicken wire after time to take out 
the pig from the emu. And so there's a lot of things that um, we did. And one of the things I wanted to share is that um, long time ago, when the Hawaiians were, you know, in the, they say Kahiko times, the old days, there is a ban banana plant that they use for refrigeration. And I've forgotten what the name of the plant, but I know what it looks like. And they would put it in an emu-like hole or puka, and it was where they put their cooked food that they got out of the, um, from the emu, and they would put it in there and then cover it up with the same kind of banana leaves. And this was going away from tea leaf use, but by using this particular uh, maya or banana leaf, you could save the food for months. And you, you'd cover it up with all these coconut, um, I don't know, it's not the husk, it's the part where you, where the leaves come out of the coconut tree and it has this mat-like thing. So they covered it with that, because we didn't have any um, canvas and things like that, like we do now. And so then the food would stay there for a long, long time. So when you, o when you had famine time and didn't have enough food, then you would have to remember where you did this at. And of course you can because there's a little mound there. And by the time it falls in, you know, there's not much of a mound. But when you dug up all of the stuff out of there after taking the dirt off and all the other things that you um, put in there, the banana leaves were still green. And I wish I can remember the name of the plant. It's in, in one of my address books. That's why my daughter always says, why do you have your address books and you keep them? I said, because I keep all my um, information in there too. So don't be laughing at me. <laughs> so in terms of back to the tea and uh -huh. the luau, did you, it sounds like it was used a lot for cooking mm. and decoration. Did you make tea leaf lays or was that? No, you know, that came later. Um, the way that they are in the Kahiko days that they used it, um, there's a story about Kamehameha the Great. And when he got older and became the king and all that, he had gone to Hilo with his warriors on a canoe. And then he asked his um, warriors if they would watch his canoe and tie it up. Well, they didn't have anything to tie it up with, so they saw all of these dry tea leaves in Hilo area, and at the time, Hilo did not have a name. So what happened is that they picked up all these brown tea leaves that were all dried up, and they put it in the ocean, supposedly, to get it wet, and then they they braided it, but it's not really a braid. It's like how we do tea leaf lace by turning to the right twice or three times and then going over left. So they made stronger, stronger um, rope. So they tied the dry tea leaves to his canoe and then they went off and had some fun at the time. So when he came back, he looked and he said, now where are all my warriors? Well, they had gone somewhere else and left the tea leaves that were tied to his canoe and to wherever, whatever they tied it to, so that the canoe would not 
sail off by itself. And so that's how Hilo got its name because the, the style of spinning the tea leaves and making that is Hilo in Hawaiian. And that's how Hilo got its name. Okay, so that's how the tea, tea leaf was used. And um, today, I can't remember exactly when, but quite a while ago in Honolulu when I lived there, that they started making tea leaf lays and also le uh, lays uh, out of the Lawai, pretty much the same way. Lawai isn't as strong as the tea leaf because in the tea leaf it has fibers where the Lawai does not have fibers. So it's a little bit harder to make uh, Hilo style lays, meaning twisting to the right and going over left. But if you're left-handed, then you just twist to the left and go over right. And what about using tea leaves for protection? I know when oh. I moved here, people said, oh, you should definitely plant tea in the corners of your property. Mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> and what it is is that long time ago, again in the Kahiko days, whenever you built a home or a holly, a house, um, they always planted tea leaves in the corner of the house because they believed that it kept evil away from your house. So that was the belief. And we have a lot of belief systems. And I think every culture that is indigenous has kind of the same kind of thing about different plants and uh, what you do with them. For our belief, it is to plant tea leaves in four corners. When I bless land, because I'm also a minister, what I do if we have like 50,000 acres, I just choose one square in the land instead of walking the whole acreage because it's almost impossible. And I just have a square that's maybe 12 by 12 and I put the tea leaves, I just dig a hole and put the tea leaves in there or I pre-planted in a pot. And it's kind of hard to carry it out there in nowhere sometimes because I did some uh, land blessings here in Kohala at Kohala Estate. So I had a time trying to get that done because to dig a hole in there, there's a lot of rocks I found out. So it's like, oh mm, my God. You know, so Good to bring your pot. Yeah, you just plant your tea leaves before time and then put it in the corner and so you save, solve the problem. This is Holly Allgood. You're listening to Tutu Talk Story. Our special guest today is Auntie Miley Spencer Napoleon. You're listening to KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. And we're going to play a public service announcement. Be back soon. Aloha, North Kohala. Sushi Rock will be hosting their weekly food drive this Wednesday, July 22nd. Pickup will be on the Sushi Rock Lanai at 4.30 p.m. Each family will be given one bag of groceries. If you or anyone you know needs groceries, please send them our way this week. Please wear a mask and maintain social distancing while you are in line. We want to thank all our donors and volunteers for making all this happen. If you are able to make a donation, please stop by Sushi Rock any day from 3 to 7. Remember, we're all in this together.
Mahalo. Aloha. We would love to invite you to an organic spiritual conversation that relies on the spontaneity of what's alive in the moment. Please join Isla and Mikel Anna on first Wednesdays, July 1st and August 5th from 3 to 4 p.m. for Intuitive Talk Story. We look forward to it. Be well. Aloha, North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood here with Auntie Miley, Napoleon, and we're talking about flower memories. <laughs> and we, we, uh, we thought probably the next flower to talk about is plumeria. So what are your earliest memories about plumeria, Auntie Miley? Well, I'm going to say this because um, a lot of people in my time when I grew up used to call them graveyard flowers or cemetery flowers because... Um, people started planting them in the cemeteries because they were plentiful, easy to grow. But one thing you got to remember about the plumeria, no matter what color or whatever it is, is when you cut it and it starts to drip the milk, then you just stick it inside of the dirt right away so then it doesn't bleed all that milk. And then you just lay it down somewhere out of the sun until you're ready to plant it. And you can plant it the day that you cut it, and it's fine. Um, I had a great-great-great-grandma who I never met because I was too young, and she passed away before I was born. But in our yard, she planted four, five, six different plumerias in the same hole. And I was amazed because I used to have to go to my mom's house and be the weeder to weed the yard. And um, I would be under the plumeria trees where it was. And those days we didn't have that many tourists, but whenever they did come, because I was born in 1940, so now you know I'm really 80. Um, And they would stop by, drive up the long driveway, and I'd be weeding with my brother. And they'd say, how'd you get all those colors together? Can we take pictures of the plumeria trees? And then I would have to explain to them that I was older, past third grade, and I could speak English by them. Not as well as I wish I could, because we were speaking Hawaiian. And um, when they asked us about, or me, about that, and I said, my grandma just, who's not alive now, uh, just took all these plants and put them all in one hole. And I said, "I, I couldn't imagine why she did that because she had three acres to plant in so it was like you know nowadays they say a da thing so anyhow they would come and take pictures of that and she did hibiscus like that all the double hibiscus she would stick it all together put it in a hole so people would think that whoever did that um knew how to air lay or also to graft. And I've never learned how to air lay or graft, so that's what I love to do is just mix them all up and make it colorful. And it's a good idea, I think, because it's beautiful, and I've never seen anybody do that in my whole life. So when I lived down in the south side, and they grow really well, these plumerias, I used to go up the road, down the road, and bump so many different colors from all the people who had plumeries in their yard and then stick them all together, put them in a hole and say, I'm going to be like my great-great-great-grandma and plant them like that. 
supposedly there's only one uh, bunch of plants that are doing good because my son believe in watering everything and I kept saying plumerias do not need water once they start growing well not every day anyhow but they'll rot or they just die you know they dry up so you must not um, give them too much water although the sun is so strong here that I kind of water them real quick and then don't water anymore because most of our uh, plumerias are in pots and they're beautiful because they're like two different colors in one pot and every day I look at them and I talk to them um, you know if you talk to your plants they'll grow better for sure and then using organic fertilizer nothing that is chemical okay good for the ecology Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so did you make lay out of plumeria as a child? Oh, yes. Um, what was nice when I had my 80th birthday that Holly and Isla did for me at our, their place, um, I got a double plumeria lay, and I wanted just to cry because I have never, ever had a double plumeria lay since I was little. So can, can you tell people what a double plumeria lay is? May they may not know. Okay, you, you use hundreds of flowers, at least more than 500 flowers. I don't remember exactly how much, but you just stick the needle through the side of the stem going around and around, and it's called poi-poi style, P-O-E-P-O-E, -E -E, not P-O-I, like poi that we eat from taro. And it's a round lay. Anytime you make a lay that is round, no matter what it is, is it's feather lays or it's a seed lay, a shell lay, and plumeria lay, um, round or cigar flower, whatever. Um, it's always in the round, so it's called poi poi. A flat lay is called humupapa, H-U-M-U-P-A-P-A. -A. a lot of things that we say like pa or papa means a flat surface. So. Um, you know, all the leaves have different kinds of names, like vili, hili. Hili is to braid. Vili is to go around and around. And then you can have a flat lay or you can have a poi poi lay. It all depends on what kind of flowers you have, what you're using. And plumerias, I like to strip them apart. What does that piece mean? Piece by piece. Strip them apart. Well, just pull it all apart in the flower, well, stem, I mean stem by stem, uh, petal by petal. Mm. And then you take it and then you just heely, uh, vili it, you know, around and around and around, flat, all of the petals. And then you have a humupapa style of plumeria lay, which is very unusual to see because not too many people make lays like that. And then there's another way when you take the plumeria and you just bend it backwards on your needle and you have to make the stem shorter, not too short because then the thing is split apart. Then you take one petal at a time, put it over the needle and you have to get tea leaves if you have tea leaves and use the green tea leaves. Don't use the red ones because they stain your clothes, especially if you have light color clothes. So we never use red tea leaves to making 
for making any kind of TV state. Um, if you do, well, IPD or white dress or whatever you're wearing. But you take that and then you just bend it back and then you cut little squares out of the tea leaves and then you just put it in there and it helps to hold the petals down. And for me, for my mother used to make that lay and it, for me it's only seen as far as I know in Kohala. So when I went to Honolulu to do those lays, people used to say, where'd you learn how to do that? And I said, I've never seen it done anywhere else but in Kohala. So my mom used to do lace and she was a, a champion lay maker for May Day in Honolulu. And um, in 1946, we had Aloha Airlines start. So my mother used to send her lace down through Aloha Airlines for May Day. She never went down to Honolulu for May Day um, at Kapi'olani Park. And she would send her lace there that she made haku style whether it's one for the head or for the lay, i.e. the neck, um, she would send it there and she would always win. First prize, until men started making lays and they make, I say, it's only my opinion, make much, much more beautiful lays than women. Uh-oh. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, no, and when you see them, it's like so original, so different, and neat. You know, because sometimes when you're a laymaker, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm already tired. I'll just do it any kind of way. And that's called um, kapulu. Messy. K-A-P-U-L-U. Kapulu. So uh, back to plumeria, Liz. Mm -hmm. It sounds, I know a lot of us have seen the kind that just gets strung where one flower goes inside the other. But you were talking about the double A is really where the needle goes in to the stem, um, to the stem so that you're using much, much more flowers and mm -hmm. it's going to be a much bigger and it'll have like a round character around it. Yeah. And then you were also saying there's another kind where you pull the petals apart and mm -hmm. make it go flat yeah. and yet another kind where you intersperse the flowers with squares of tea leaves. Yeah, tea leaves you can use and also what my mother used to like to use also was lawai and then you know all of the leaves that come out she would cut it in little squares and the reason is is because when you cut it it smells just like miley you know the miley um, vines Exactly like that. So we use the lawai um, in another way, not, you know, running away from what we're talking about, plumerias. But um, whenever we had to clean gourds and things like that, we used the lawai by crushing it and then putting it into the um, ipu to make it smell better because the seeds in the ipu smell horrible when you're cleaning it out and so then the kumu or the person that made the gourd for whatever reason for hula they would crush all these um, handfuls of lawaii and then put it inside of the ipu so to smell it make it smell like miley so that's another thing that you think about using um, for that there's Lawai. some particular kind of Lawai in the island of Maui that smells 
oh so sweet like the mm. best Miley you can ever find mm. so back to plumeria okay <laughs> <laughs> Is that ever used for anything else? I mean, I know people make okay, sense out of um, it. The Hawaiians, because they ha had plumerias come here, and it, this is a later time, they would use them for the wood, okay, would be cut from the old trees, and then they would let it dry, and all the milk would, you know, kind of dissipate inside of the um, plumeria wood, and they would use it for a uh, making uh, mortar for making medicine and using also the wood for making pestles. But my grandmother used um, Pua Be Still. It is also a poisonous plant, just like the Miley, I mean the Plumeria or the Pumelia, which is what you say in Hawaiian. Um, so she used the wood from the pool be still and you see it mostly in Oahu on the sides of the roads and they come in yellow the old-fashioned ones and then they have those that are more light orange they're beautiful but they're very very poisonous but once you cut the wood and you let it sit just like you do for the plumeria you can use it for a mortar and a pestle because it's really really strong it's almost like rock when mm. you finish doing it and, you know, so uh, make it into you that. mean actually a mortar and pestle? Yes. So like you would mix something in it? Yeah, medicine. Oh, isn't that something after yeah. being dried out? And um, my, my grandmother was a composer of Hawaiian songs here in Hawaii, in, you know, Hawaii. Um, so she wrote a song called Pua Be Still, and she had a nephew named... Um, Bill Lincoln, and he used to come over to our house when I lived with my tutu in Javi, and he would say, so Auntie, do you have any songs that you wrote? And she'd say, oh yeah, so she'd go in the house and get her ukulele, and they only spoke Hawaiian, you know, so I would sit down and be nosy or mahaoi and uh, listen to their talking, and she never told me to, to get lost, because most grandmas would say, you go someplace else, this is for adults only. But she never did that with with me. And so I learned a lot just because I just sat there and observed and listened. And so her um, nephew said, you got any songs? And she'd come bring her ukulele. She would sit down, play the song she wrote. And that is one of the songs that I remember that she wrote. And in those days, I was talking to a kupuna pang in Honolulu and explain, telling her about my grandma and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And she said, that's true, Miley, because all the other um, older uh, musicians that lived in the 20s, 30s, and uh, early 40s, um, they did that. If somebody else wrote the song, what they did is they took the song, they practiced it, they sang it, and then they would take the actual composed song and mail it to themselves. And that was a, um, inexpensive, I was going to say cheap, inexpensive way of copywriting the songs. So yeah. um, Bill Lincoln used to copyright all the songs that way. And so did some of the other um, songwriters, I mean, musicians. 
You're listening to Auntie Miley Napoleon Spencer here on KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. This is Holly Allgood. If you have a comment or a question of Auntie, you can call us at 884-KNKR or 884-5657. We're going to take a brief break and we'll be back in two minutes. Aloha, North Kohala. This is Bob Martin, station manager here at Kohala Radio. I'm on the air today to give you a special message. There is a confirmed case of COVID-19 in our community. The virus has arrived here. A member of a local family in the Malia Ridge area returned from the mainland last Tuesday. He was tested on Wednesday, and on Thursday he was informed that he had tested positive for the virus. On Friday, he began showing symptoms. He and his family are currently under quarantine. We don't know yet how many people he was in contact with before he was quarantined or if he has infected any local residents. What we do know is that the virus is now in our community and we're not likely to lose it anytime soon. It is more important than ever to follow the recommendations of the health experts. Wash your hands frequently. Practice social distancing. Avoid large groups of people. If you are out in public, always wear a mask as it is required by county law. If you feel sick, stay home and contact your doctor. Please stay safe. We need your help to keep our community healthy. All of us have to play a role. KNKR will bring you updated information about the virus and its impact on Nokohala when it is available. Stay tuned and keep informed. Thank you for listening and be safe. DJ Annalisa Remix Bizayan Budot. Tagalog Larawang Kupas And to these hits, Lane and Dub Only here, be nice to hits Every Thursday, 11 to 1 Dito sa KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kuhalas Okay <laughs> Aloha, North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood here on Tutu's <laughs> Talk Story. We're talking story with Auntie Miley Spencer Napoleon here. And we're talking about flower memories. And I was saying how I was so surprised to see hydrangeas here. I love blue flowers. Mm, and I, I, for much of my life, had huge hedges of hydrangea. And I was so happy to see them here. But I thought, Hawaii hydrangeas? Have they always been around? Well, as far as I know, ever since I was a little girl, my mom had a whole, whole slew, S-L-E-W, you know, that Hollywood, (laughs) (laughs) Um, a line of hydrangeas, and she always used them for fillers. And um, from Anne, my best friend that lives in Puaco, she went back home to to New York, and she found that when she went to this florist, um, 
the lady had the flowers upside down in water. So she said, why do you do that? My friend never did that in Hawaii. And she said, well, this is the only flower in the world that drinks flower from it, I mean, water from its face. And so I said, when Ann called me and told me that, I said, you know, it's one thing I never learned about hydrangeas, that it drinks flower from its face. So you only leave it in there for a few minutes. You don't, you know, drown the thing. Otherwise, then it'll come get, it's not my really, but it, it um, loses its color. And um, I don't know how to describe it, but anyhow. Um, so you, know, you don't do that for a long time. You just take it, put it upside down, leave it in there for a little while, flip it over, start cutting it, and make your lay. Whenever you do a lay with hydrangeas and you put the thing inside of the water, you always have to do the lay pretty fast and then put it in a cooler or you know whatever with ice in it, but a towel on top of it of the ice and then you would lay your lay on there. Otherwise your lay will um, freeze because it's very, very sensitive. It's just like women, sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Some women. <laughs> so, so you, but you grew up with it. There was always hydrangea around. Was it, yes. was it plentiful in other people's yards or? Um, no, you know, my mom used to have all these different plants, flowers, uh, mango trees, um, breadfruit, whatever. And I never understood why people never planted stuff in their yard, although they had acres, lots of land. But every time May Day came along, people would come over and say, can we have some of your daylilies? Can we have some of your hydrangeas? Can we have some of your plumerias? May we please take your tea leaves? or even the ferns or maidenhair. And um, I just couldn't understand that. And fruits, whenever the fruits were in season, I was a little monkey that climbed the tree so I could get the fruits, put them in a bag, and she'd always give it to everybody, and we couldn't eat it. Because she would count every fruit and say, now somebody took a little mountain apple off the tree. <laughs> <laughs> we had 280, now there's 279. Which one of you took? And we'd all say, six of us. Uh, Oli, uh, Oli, uh, Oli, not me, not me, not me. Of course, we'd all get a little paddle on the elemu. So <laughs> I'm wondering, did you have... Uh, we have a question from somebody else. Can you ask if gardenia has any special meaning? For me, gardenias reminded me of my gra grandmother who was didn't live um, till I was born. She died in 1939, but she was a plantaholic also. But she had all these different kinds of gardenia in in the yard, and so it was. Uh, it is a memory of my grandmother that I never met. So every time I smell or see or whatever, and especially the smell, I think about that grandmother that I never met, my mother's mother. You know, because gardenias, um, for me, different flowers remind me of different people. White ginger reminds me of my dad. Hydrangeas of my mother because you know, she used a lot for making lays, and whenever we made lays, my sisters would come. Um, they lived with my mother, and I didn't live with mom, so I would have to 
get a taxi and come over and make lays, and I was afraid of getting spanked, so I made my lays slow and made them pretty nice for a six-year-old kid or child. Don't say kid because that's goat. <laughs> a goat. And so anyhow, um, I was allowed to make the lays, and I'm really happy because I was just t telling my best friend Anne the other day, I've made a thousand hakulays. She said, I don't think so. I think you made more than that. <laughs> I bet you have, yeah. So the hydrangeas were really, I mean, you loved them because you grew up with them, mostly yes. a filler flower. Mm -hmm. What would you, what other kinds of flower do you use with Okay, sometimes I would use um, flowers that were from the mainland, and um, it's those sweet williams. They make nice lace with that. And I love baby's breath, but you cannot plant baby's breath unless you get the plant from the mainland. And one of the big reasons um, I say this is because from experience, I have a friend in Maui that sends for 500 baby's breath almost every year, except now that she's the same age as I am. Um, and planted in her Omao Opio garden, which is a part of Maui, and it's drier. Um, so you have to buy the plants from the mainland. If you plant a seed or many seeds of the um, baby's breath, it just falls on the ground. It doesn't stand up or sit up, you know, like the mainland um, baby's breath. That's what I found out. When we were like, in Maui, she had hydrangeas also, so she used hydrangeas as fillers also, and they make the best fillers. When I was in Colorado for a year and a half, um, during the summer, springtime, they have all these beautiful, I mean beautiful new colors, and I wish I could send for some of them. I heard that in Hilo, they had the ones that are kind of splashy white with pink or more red colors, kind of like Isla's blouse. Yeah, I grew those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're beautiful. I never saw them before. And then in Waimea, um, my friend that has a flower shop there and it's in Hawaiian Homes, she got the white ones and she planted the white ones. And what was so funny is um, last week when my friend, Nani, well, it's not my friend, it's my cousin, Nani Hasi Sevenson from here in Kohala. Uh, she was looking in one of my pots, and I had all these pots right by my doorway. And then she told her daughter, Punaheli, look at that. And I was like, mm, what she's looking at? Well, she didn't know that you could cut the, the branches and just stick it in the pot or the ground, and it would grow. And that's a surprise to me because Nani is a florist. You know, the I mean hydrangea. Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. that was a surprise to me, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and how do you think um, hydrangeas grew? Not the seeds don't come From out. From plants, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when I was little, I used to pick all the young leaves. They come out like little heads of cabbage or Brussels sprouts. And my brother and I, instead of weeding, we would take those and we'd chop it up on a piece of board and would make me believe we were cooking <laughs> 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 instead of cleaning the weeds because <laughs> we were the weeders 
you know, there's weed. So whenever I go to somebody's house and I see how messy they are, <laughs> I want to go and clean it. And when I do, they always say, how did you learn how to weed? And I said, my grandpa used to be a, you know, a very good gardener. And he said, you cannot leave those, leaves, those weeds in the ground. You have to take them out, mulch the place, and whatever, you know, compost, all that. I learned a lot from my grandfather and my grandmother. Of course, they weren't married to each other because they were in-laws, but they got along well. We're mm -hmm. talking today with Auntie Miley Spencer Napoleon. You're listening to Tutu's Talk Story here on KNKRLP 96.1 FM Kohala. Please give us a call at 884-KNKR or 884-5657 if you have any questions or comments for Auntie Miley. Be back soon. Aloha. On Friday, July 24th, Giving Tree of Hawaii is hosting a food giveaway in Kamehameha Park. Starting at 3 o'clock, those in need can come by and pick up a box of fresh produce. That's Friday, July 24th in Kamehameha Park. Mahalo. Woman, sister, do you hear me? You are the giver of life. Your blood is This is Isla Allgood of Women's Voices. Tune in on Monday and Wednesday from 4 till 6 p.m. to listen to women from around the world, around Hawaii, songs with positive and empowering messages on KNKRLP 96.1 FM. Monday and Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. Your bones are the trees in the forest. Aloha, North Kohala. It's Holly Allgood back with... Auntie Miley Spencer. We are talking about flower memories today, and gosh, our time is almost up. But yeah, I think no. we can't complete without talking about A'ali'i. And I've been so excited because, uh, I, you know, it's growing wild all over the place at Kohala Ranch. Oh so I know, I know. <laughs> and it makes me so sad because I think a lot of the people there don't even realize what a fabulous uh, native plant it is and what you can yes. do with it. So tell us your memories of that. Okay, the, that flower is like, um, for me, as a laymaker, it's like gold, just like your palapali fern or your palai fern or your palapalapalai fern. Um, oh my God, just to use that and be able to get it. I used to have to when I made lays in Honolulu, I used to have to call a lady in Volcano and she would send me the flowers and it was like $20 for a whole bag full. And now it's like, oh my God, $40, $50, for a bag full oh my if gosh. you're in Honolulu. So mm -hmm. here on this island, when I lived on the south side, I felt like I was in heaven because for all the years that uh, the mountain of Mauna Loa was there. The bees have been pollinating, cross-pollinating and whatever, and it is the only place that I have ever seen from the green to the rust color to a mauve color and one that is almost purple. And if you know where all these plants are, once you learn where they are, it's like, oh my God, as a laymaker, um, you know, it's, it's breathtaking for me because 
I make lays, and whenever I go to um, Colorado to see my children, and I don't think I'm going to go back there anymore because I'm 80, and I said, you can come and visit me. <laughs> and um, anyhow, I, I would take for all of my grandchildren, I have seven there and seven here in Hawaii, but one passed away, so I have six there. So every time each one graduated from high school, that is the flower I took. And then when I got there, I would go out and buy hydrangeas so I could mix it up and kind of make the lace with two different things. But if you just do just straight a'ali'i, um, it is absolutely beautiful. So one year when my oldest grandson, who will be 40 pretty soon, the end of August, um, I took lace like that. I took so many and I took more to make some in flower boxes and I ran out of them after I make you know so many and he goes like this grandma do you have one more extra lay and I said now Kalani what do you think I am I only could bring so many flowers and he said I only need one more lay for my friend and I said who is that it's my girlfriend and I was like you mean you give your lace to everybody except her? Well, she never come until now. I was like, oh my God. But that lay holds up when you put it in the refrigerator. And you don't have to worry about putting towel in there and da da da. da. You just put the ice, throw the, the lays on there, and they'll stay. And I always t took um, palapalai ferns with me, or else I took fishtail ferns. I don't know if you know what that is, but. Ann said, never heard of them, my friend. And I said, well, they look like fishtails. And that's why they call it fishtail ferns. When I was little, oh my God, my mom wanted to teach us how to smoke. So she used to take that fern, the dry ones, and hey, you can light it up. And I was like, oh my God, smoke. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> so the Ali'i is so nice because yeah, it stays. Long lasting. It's long lasting. Yeah. So it's really nice if you have a party or something and mm -hmm. you you yeah. have lots of preparation and you can maybe make those a little early. Before, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So. But the colors is what is amazing because it has so many different colors. In Honolulu, they only have one place that is in the public place, but it's on the side of the road. And you can't stop because it's a busy place, you know. But well, I, I it's, them anyhow. it's all over the place at Kohala Ranch. Oh, my God. And I remember I had a lot for sale up there, and I was picking some one day because I, they're just so plentiful. It's just covered. The whole lot was just covered with them. And a man walked by, and he said, what are you picking the weeds for? <laughs> and I said, these are beautiful flowers. They're for laymaking. And he said, you can come to my house and pick my weeds, too. <laughs> but I just wish people knew what they were. Yeah, because so lots of people that come from the mainland don't even know that those are very, for me, it's valuable because of the lasting power. And also of the energy, the strength of the flower itself, uh, it can last like for a few weeks. And it still looks pretty on your hat or on your, you know, your, your lei uh, e or your neck lei and or your lei papali, um, one or the other. But it's one of my favorite um, things to make lays with. And it's so special for me because of the lasting power of it. 
And if you ever get a lay from me like that, you just better say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the seeds are, are so unusual. I love that the seeds, if you look at it from the side, it's like a triangle. Mm -hmm. it, it almost makes, I bet it, it well, probably... It, it reminds me of angels because it has wings. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. so every time I look at one, I think about angels, you know, with wings. Um, and, and it's because when the wind blows, it flies and flies for a long time, and then it falls down and then it grows again. But what I do when I plant them is I get compost and put it on the ground first. Well, of course, it's kind of soft in the ground, but they like rocks. So you put the compost on there over the rocks and, you know, the dirt and stuff. And then you just take the seeds and you rub it between your fingers, your hands, and rub, rub, rub over the, the area. And then you get more compost and just throw, throw it over that and then tamp it down. And then you water and then the seeds will come out. Um, it's more like it likes to be just just thrown. And if you plant it, it hardly ever grows, you know. It's like tomatoes, how when I plant big tomatoes, I throw them out in my yard. And if the mongoose doesn't come and eat it, I just throw some compost over it and then big tomatoes come out and they're looking so beautiful. Oh my God. Oh, I'm a planter, planter crazy-holic. <laughs> so it sounds like, well, I think we, we better try to plant a patch at the ha at our yeah, well, I'm cleaning back um, one one step uh, up where the bougainvilleas are, cleaning and softening up and whatever, and then I want to put some of the compost there and then take the seeds that you brought. And maybe if we can get more of the red ones, because that's my favorite, <laughs> the rust color, and then put the seeds and kind of rub them over. All right. And in a little while, you'll have those plants. All right, sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. So we only have a few minutes left. I can't believe how quickly the time went. We only got through a few flowers. Any any well, flower that speaks to you that you want to mention well, before we What close? I want to talk about is um, there is two songs that is written about the Aali'i. Oh. And my Hanai son from Kona, his name is um, Bula Kailivai, and he's Hawaiian, and he also is a Kumuhuna, and he lives way up in the mountains of Kaloko. And um, he took two songs that one was a is a sad song and one is a really happy song and it's about the Ali'i. And I just love the song. And when he put it in Hawaiian from the English, one was written by a woman, I can't remember her name, but it was for her 10th anniversary. And it was a sad song because she had a hard time with her husband. And um, she wrote this song about how much she loved him. And you could feel it when Bula wrote the song in Hawaiian. And then the other song, when he switched it into Hawaiian, you could feel also. And both of the songs are absolutely beautiful because I love Ali'i. That's why it's like, oh my God, when you dance it, it's like, oh, you feel every bit of that song or those songs. And so there's two of them. So that's a flower that evokes memories of a lot of feelings. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And it like you say, it's a very strong flower. Otherwise, how could it, su- it survives in very harsh conditions? Well, whatever you're saying right now is why the woman wrote this song, because she had a hard 10 years. And so when she wrote this song about the Ali, it was just telling her husband how she felt and how much she loved him, that if he would only maybe realize that, you know, because that flower struggled and struggled and struggled to grow in the wind and in the dry areas and stuff like that. But it's absolutely beautiful. So all of these feelings are in there. So when you, when I listen to it and I understand the language, I can feel every bit of these two songs. And so our teacher, Sharice Munden, always would test us and ask us about stuff like that. And she lives in in Waimea, and she's a school teacher there. And, um, you know, she would tell us, how do we feel without knowing what the song is about? So I said, I feel sad with this song, and I feel happy with the other one. And she said, well, it is a sad story. And it's not because I understood the language, but it's the way it was sung. And, of course, I love that plant and that flower, you know, so... It's like special, very special. Well, Auntie Miley, you are very special, and we're so <laughs> glad to have you back here. Oh, thank in North you. I'm Kohala. staying here forever. And I love to talk <laughs> flowers with you and plants and hear, hear your plant memories. It's just mm. so special to hear. So thank you. You're welcome. Mahalo, Nui Loa. Mm-hmm. Love to you. <laughs> love to everybody out there in North Kohala. Holly All Good Sing. Aloha for Tutu's. So if any of you classmates are out there, my phone number is 987-4008. You can call me to say you're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Aloha. Aloha.